Okay, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Uh, Adam, Did you, I, I guess you heard that alert. I had no idea that that thing was run by the Weather Network. Oh, yeah. That was my no. surprise for the day. Yeah. Uh, oh, you didn't see any of the social media stuff in advance, or, uh, you know, the saying for a week they're going to be doing that oh no the alert wasn't a surprise it was the fact that the weather network runs it but you know i thought it was going to be something like uh smile cookies available or you know, something <laughs> something ontario based rather than just the usual blend in both official languages but... oh that'd be nice if it was like an actual message which i guess would ruin it like it, it says it's a test but if it was like this like a joke test like <laughs> christmas is coming or something send like a that. coupon to everybody that they can you know Get Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. For getting I mean, the pants scared off of them. I mean, it showed. It would show people if people were paying attention, right? If they sent like, mm-hmm. like a ten dollar Amazon card or something. And market like, research. Ooh, boy! I think we're we're, <laughs> we're breaking a lot of eggs at the same time over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a what, future day. We'll we'll pick it apart. <laughs> right, right. That's what people come to open sources for: news and innovation. Um. <laughs> Open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. You can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from 12th, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Ward 2 City Councilor Rodrigo Guller, who's going to talk to us about what else? The 2024 to 2027 multi-year budget and how tough the year's efforts are going to be for council as they try to balance the need to fund our city services with the need for things to be affordable. And uh, they're about to get an earful uh, about that this week. Uh, that's going to be at the bottom half of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few, a few news items from the last week, including The Rock. Dwayne Johnson says numerous parties approached him to run for president of the United States. So is that possible or is it an idea more ludicrous than anything in say the fast and the furious movies? <laughs> but first, uh, we're going to go out to Alberta or little mega, if you will. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, it's, it's been, it, it, it seems like, uh, the right wing slide is complete, uh, or in progress. However, which way you take it. Um, between you know daniel smith announcing last week that they were going to uh, abolish the alberta health service which is like barely 15 years old um and then create these new bureaucracies that are essentially going to manage different aspects of healthcare although um some people are saying it's a it's a backdoor into starting to privatize things uh which uh daniel smith is fervently denied uh there's also the ongoing thing about creating an Alberta pension plan and Alberta separating. <laughs> if they can't separate from the country, they'll separate from our pension plan. Um, and then there's kind of the more straight up mega stuff. There was uh, the take back Alberta heavy representation at the UCP uh, general meeting last weekend or a couple of weekends ago, including banning things like uh, 15 minute communities and solar farms and defunding university diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Um, but you know, last but certainly not least, Daniel Smith is going to appear at an event with Tucker Carlson in the new year. And no, there are not two Tucker Carlsons. It's the one you're thinking of. 
So uh, <laughs> now that I've laid the table, now that I've laid out this MAGA buffet uh, for Scotty, I'm going to see what dish he he scoops up first. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to summarize that in just one or two sentences, but yeah, it's don't believe the hype or actually believe the hype. Be- <laughs> believe whatever uh, Daniel Smith says she's going to do or she said prior to being elected and maybe tried to backpedal a little bit on certain things, but it is is fairly clear when you see who is running the show at their uh, conference or convention, which was now it was a couple weeks ago now, right? A week or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The focus on all the things going after the extreme left, making air quotes, parental <laughs> rights. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that Take Back Alberta is behind the reins at this point. You can hear the dog whistle like across the nation. <laughs> and of course, uh, the affiliates, let's say, like Polyev and any any Republican. <laughs> there's no spectrum there anymore i don't think if there is it's very very narrow are loving it right so mm-hmm. um what were some of the things out of that conference as i mentioned about the parental rights mm-hmm. now mind you these things are all non-binding right these smith and company can just do whatever they want mm-hmm. but that that's only useful to a degree because if, if the base then i'm not even going to call them the new base the the right base let's say turn on her then she will be gone mm. she was she was walking this line for a while leaning on her liberty i'm a libertarian you know i believe in <laughs> i believe in this i believe in the rights of lgbtq plus people and you know there's certain people say well that's that's okay you know it's not not all bad but it is it's it, it will be all bad believe me when I, believe me when i say this you want a republican government or they wanted a republican government they only by a very narrow margin mind you mm-hmm. uh, they're getting it with some of the other things end of supervised consumption sites uh get rid of the phrase 15 minute cities or as a concept uh electronic voting which harkens to the you know the dominion machines and yeah there's just sheer paranoia in, in these uh resolutions that passed right trans women in prison was another one mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're, you're not going to a women's prison you're going to men's prison oh and net zero the cl- anything to do with climate change is just gone. Yeah, they'll they'll say something about carbon capture and storage, which is uh, um, not the best. Let's say, uh, but net zero as a word or any any anything that might come out of Ottawa currently is just gone, or they want to be gone because it's all a conspiracy and a plot by the liberal left, uh, communist, whatever. Or just take <laughs> that little speech that that of Trump's that little piece that's been making the rounds on Twitter about what he's going to do when he's president. And that's almost, I think what's going on with the, uh, UCP Alberta machine headed by Smith. Um, even though she'll deny it to some degree, but you know, realistically that's where they're going. And, you know, I, I would have some hope if it weren't for the fact that, you know, our, our, um, media elite in this country seem to be just as sort of hopeless as the american media elite when it comes to this stuff like don braid who's like the columnist at the calgary herald after that hgm he's like i don't know how to tell you this guys but i think the crazies have taken over the asylum and it's like you don't <laughs> you don't say don um i i mean it's yeah i mean jason kenny who once upon a time was of like the, the vanguard of like the right movement in canada like he was too middle brow um for 
um, mm-hmm. uh, f- f- for some of the take back Alberta crowd. And, you know, some of this is, does seem to be driven by, uh, and, and th- that was noted about the, the, the separation and the, the breaking up of the AHS. Like a lot of it seems to be driven by like revenge uh, fantasies um, because people didn't like, you know, public health measures during the pandemic. Um, and so now, you know, they're breaking apart the AHS, which I guess is the boogeyman to blame for all this. And, you know, it ostensibly it's being done. It's like, well, our system is broken. Um, so we're just actually going to break it now and, and rebuild something better. But you have like experts in like public health policy are saying, who are saying like, you know, revamping the bureaucracy rarely results in like substantive changes to the system. Um, and, you know, the way it's, and it's kind of hard to, figured out exactly what they're wanting with this but the, you know they, they've split up the ahs to into like uh, acute care essentially a- ahs is going to stick around but it's like the acute care provider there's going to be a provider for mental health and addictions and there's going to be a provider for emergency health care um what, what, what i find kind of um concerning is as you know we're, we're seeing this here a bit it's like, yeah, theoretically, if you break this down into silos, um, they can be more adept and 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 you know be quicker with like changing things. But still, this is an ecosystem. It's like y- your your acute care case today may be a more ongoing mental health and addictions thing tomorrow, and so the siloing of these things actually makes it harder to generate, um improvements and somebody was pointing out too like if the if the idea was to break this down into like sort of a more regional base this doesn't do that this is still an edmonton operation mm-hmm. um so you know what's happening in red deer is is still what's happening in red deer red deer doesn't have any more authority to um control its own sort of like health or, or act on its own health concerns because they still have to go through this bureaucracy in edmonton which is you know, as as explained, it just seems to be getting larger because they now have four authorities instead of one. You have to figure out which thing, which pile, you know, your problem goes into. And then they're creating whole new bureaucracies at that, too. And at the end of the day, you, you have to stop and ask yourself, isn't the whole point of conservatism to eliminate bureaucracies? So why are they creating more? And the answer is in like this information dump from the Alberta NDP. That's like you you break it up, it makes it easier to sell off. And when you fr- you know when you look at it that way, um, you sort of start to see the real plot and intentions. No matter what Daniel Smith says, if you're making it smaller and breaking it apart, what good does that do? Because the actual experts in our field saying that doesn't actually help at all. You're not helping the regional control. So what does this do? Oh, it's not about selling it off. Mm, well, yeah, uh, if if you believe that. You know, I have a bridge I want to sell you. Well, the first thing I thought of when I heard this was the breakup of Ontario Hydro. Mm-hmm. Similar thing where you parcel it off into different divisions and then whatever happens. But they're okay with bureaucracy if it's stacked with their people. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I think this is the, it's, the oversight is supposed to be by something called the Integration Council, which is this amorphous thing. Hasn't really been explained yet. Or if it has, it's not widely out there. But... I mean, she's saying the goal isn't to privatize, but when you do this, the goal is to privatize. She hasn't hidden that. Keeps insisting it's kind of like the 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 
the line that Ford keeps using here about you'll always use your OHIP card, not your credit card. But we're seeing that that's not true. We're well, seeing that yeah. procedures are being privatized out. So what are, what are the problems in Alberta that aren't going to get dealt with with this? Lack of family doctors, lack of rural doctors, yep. emergency rooms full, wait lists for everything are long. There's a lack of services and too many people in acute care that should be in long-term care and long-term care out there is as big a mess as it is everywhere right now, mm -hmm. particularly in Ontario, but that is a constant mess. So in doing this, what's the goal? Like, could you not super tune Alberta Health Service to take care of this? You could, mm -hmm. but they're not willing to. And the question is, are they going to, is there going to be a cash injection into it? Which is one of the one of the main things that's required. Mm. No, it's about control. It's just, and it's reflected in one of the sort of sub parts of this was that when there's an emergency, a real one, not like the test that we had. Let's say there's <laughs> another pandemic or a continuing pandemic, or the pandemic gets worse again. The control is going to come down to the premier now, not the chief medical officer, mm -hmm. right? So that's the, a premier, by the way, who's someone who said that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are options to treat COVID. That's mm -hmm. where she's coming from. Yeah. He has zero qualifications in that. Yeah. You might you might be qualified enough to sort of delegate resources. You could do that. But in terms of health decisions and spouting off, she has no authority and, you know, is no, no, she has given herself the authority to do that, but she has no training and no background in that. You need a yeah. scientist. I mean, think about how much they hated Dr. Hinshaw. Yeah. She became, you know, they just beat on her until <laughs> had, had to get rid of her eventually because she was so unpopular, but only made it unpopular because of this, you know, the ridiculous dialogue yeah. coming out of UCP and company, right? Yeah. She's not only that. Fashion. I mean, that's not exclusively the problem, but, and she's also anti-vax. Not Henshaw, Smith, yeah. right? So it's like, you want her in charge of that? I don't think so. There's certain things that need to be hands-off, particularly when they're supposed to be presumably publicly run. So we're seeing that that's not the intention. The intention is to go in a different direction, and it'll be friend enrichment. Just wait. Hold on your hats. 10-gallon oh. or otherwise. <laughs> well, um, I always love that line from from the, an episode of the blacklist where Raymond Rennington's dealing with somebody wearing a cowboy hat. And he's just, I love hats, but I will never understand one of those. Uh, I feel the <laughs> same way, but um, the, the uh, yeah, the, we're seeing the enriching of the friends here. You're talking about the paying the private clinics. And then uh, I think it's CBC comes out of this report that says we're paying private clinics more money to do the same procedure that you can get in a hospital. And it's like, well, you know, wasn't that the point? Wasn't that to make the, the friends rich? Because otherwise, why not just pay the give the hospital the resources to do these things? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean that's kind of scary because I I understand that there was like a lot of frustration with the pandemic and the changing public health reg regulations. Like, hey, we never lived through a once in a century pandemic before. Uh, there was really no guidebook. Um, the last time there was a once in a century pandemic, we didn't even know what DNA was. But hey, uh, things change. Uh, and, you know, Henshaw is like the Canadian Fauci, like if, you know, for, for like far right people, like she was the one they beat up on. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, a lot of that was outside of 
Kenny's control. But on the other hand, Kenny was the one who like came out in summer 2021 and was like, hey, everyone, it's the best summer ever. We're going to like totally go back to normal and do stuff. And then <laughs> that didn't turn out so good. Um, of course, you know, Kenny's gone now, but I, I mean, we, we kind of see what happens with these populist responses. Um, and we've certainly seen this story in the United States every time somebody says, okay, well, we'll just go along with it. And, you know, yeah, we know they're crazy, but, um, you know, this, this, you know, people will become more sane as they go along. And it, actually that has not borne out. Um, things only keep getting crazier. And then the, the question is, you know, what happens the next time there is a public health emergency? Uh, what happens um, when Daniel Smith can't blame wokeism or IDE or trans people or Fauci or whatever? She got smoked from her talk show, like doing kind of what we do, because what she was saying was even too much for, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, for the network as well. So it's like, though she's hung on to those things, the things that she says and believes, right? Yeah. But you're saying, where's it going to get? It's it's just going to go to people paying more overall. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Kenny. It's like I wonder if Kenny, unless he's gone back to Oakville, uh, is he on the Integration Council or because mm. that's who's going to start appearing? Watch watch for that shuffle and see who is going to end up with those seats. And that mm -hmm. will decide where it's going to go. Like, will it be Galen Weston? Will it be somebody from Loblaw who are deeply integrated with yeah. healthcare in Ontario now? That's where, is it the weather network? Who knows, right? Like, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what to watch for. We're not there yet, but it's coming, right? Mm -hmm. I'm saying we as if, you know, the we involves the pension plan, which we didn't really get to, but that, you know, that, that may be for another day as well, but that's, that's just, you're just trying to stick it to Ottawa somehow. It's like somebody sat down, got a list and said, how can we mess with Trudeau? How can we try and mess with Ottawa and make them look bad? I know. Let's leave the pension. Mm -hmm. the, the only thing I think it was Laura Loretta that said it. If corporate says it's a bad idea, that's probably what will stop it. Yeah. If Canadian business says, don't do this because you're going to ruin it, not just for people in Alberta, but for the nation then, then it, it won't happen. That's what will stop it. Mm. But we'll see. Uh, we will see. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Dwayne Johnson in an interview with Trevor Noah had said that uh, how many different political parties did he say had approached him? <laughs> used Plural. To, yeah, he definitely parties. used the word parties have all approached him to uh, run for president of the United States. Um, certainly has a lot of people talking um it's an interesting idea because it's one of those things like who doesn't like Dwayne Johnson um but then his former wrestling colleague Kurt Angle mentioned you know no matter what way he chooses like people are going to start hating him because mm -hmm. that's the way politics goes so it's like you know does does Dwayne Johnson go from a world where everybody loves him to where half the world hates him I don't know but it's still an interesting uh, I, I hate to give the Washington Post any credit on this, but <laughs> somebody wrote a an op-ed, and I actually kind of found it kind of persuasive whether or not a, a President Rock would be a good thing, um, because you know he he would have like a lot of goodwill worldwide because you know Dwayne Johnson is a worldwide uh, movie star, popular worldwide, one point three billion in box office receipts from China alone. Um, but having said that, I mean. How, are we 
are we still deluded to think that electing celebrities is a good idea? <laughs> well, I think it depends on the celebrity. Sure. Example, Trump, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who is possibly the worst in modern history Yeah, that America has seen. Uh, th- the thing with Dwayne Johnson is that he's not stupid. No, he's and not it's stupid. terrible to say this, but I mean that—that's the improvement that he's in—he's intelligent. He's—he's he's got so much going for him, and that's why somebody who isn't even doesn't seem to be in the running, or you wouldn't think of off the top of your head, is polling at forty-six percent of America would think this guy would make a good president. Mm-hmm. We can also crush people with his bare hands, probably, right? So, <laughs> uh, in terms of, I mean, it's not without precedent. Jesse Ventura, good example. I'm not even sure if that's off the top of my head. I'm not even sure if he's still in politics, but you know, governor for a long, long time. Mm. And a so third party rest- third party candidate too. Yeah. Well, it was the Reform USA, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. When he said the part that was interesting when he said the parties are it's like, okay, we know it isn't the communists or the democratic socialists, <laughs> maybe the Greens, right? Yeah. I guess he didn't want to name names like the two main parties, because it sounds like that's the uh, who it's between probably mm. and i found out on a site called duaneforpresident.com which doesn't nice. really say who is behind it and it's very i wouldn't say it's amateur but it's kind of base level like just a bunch of text um <laughs> optically not bad but i'm like i wonder where this came from it's probably been up for a while was saying that he's appeared at both conventions like republican mm. and democrat so i was wondering that's a that would be a paid appearance right like I mean, you're going and speaking and doing your spiel about whatever you believe in, your charity or whatnot, or come on, guys, let's get it together and get out the vote. But I think those are paid. Like that would add to his bottom line. It depends Um, if he was like doing activism or something, because that's, you know, that's a big collection of politicians in one place. So it it makes sense that there's like, like activists would go there. And if you're a group and you have, you know, Joanne Johnson, like fronting for you as like an honorary chair or something, that's a. You know, people are going to come to that meeting because they can shake hands with Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like you said, the the kind of universal allure mm. where wears off when you have to take a stand on something. For example, yeah. like what's, I googled it. I'm like, what's his opinion on what's going on in Israel? And you know, if if you if you pick that apart, because everybody's opinions on that is getting picked apart, celebrity or otherwise. Anybody that posts anything, it's like you get either torn a new one or yeah it's 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 a fight right yeah so he just said oh the you know the the uh, hamas attack was bad and whatnot but again it's i i I said it last week too like do you know do we totally care what their opinions are on things like this example ben maroney no comparison between the two i suppose in terms (laughs) of fame and money and whatnot but that's it though if you're president or or in one of those positions then it really does matter what you're saying on these things right so you mm-hmm. can only you can only go so far with that but he'd you know i he'd he'd be a really hot pick i think it's just the question is i can't see him not that i know a hell of a lot about him can't see him running as a republican somehow at least not in their current form yeah not in the current form um i i mean to your point about playing it safe um I, obviously i look at it from kind of like a movie 
um, kind of career point of view and where he is in his movie career. And what he does is he plays it safe. He attaches himself to name brands where he plays the good guy, even in something like Black Adam, where he's essentially playing an anti-hero, but like there's still like a moral righteousness to that character mm-hmm. um, that, you know, kind of is, is you know, because he, 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 he's also a businessman too. He's, like, he's an exceptionally um, successful businessman. And uh, I don't mean that as an insult, but uh, it. You know, <laughs> I would no, I wouldn't. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, he, he is, and and this was in the Washington Post piece. Like he's he's actually like a self. He's almost a, he's probably on his way to being a billionaire, and he's a self-made billionaire, which is something Donald Trump is not. Um, on both counts, being self-made and being a billionaire, but the because he's so successful in these other realms, he just doesn't take chances with the roles he picks. And you go back to his early career, like when he's making the transition from wrestling to acting and he's like playing a a gay bodyguard who wants to be a a country Western singer and be cool. And he does uh, Southland tales, which is from the director of Donnie Darko. And it's all like crazy and weird and violent. Mm. Um, The rock doesn't do that stuff anymore. And if you're going into politics, you have to have cachet or you have to be able to use your cachet because otherwise, um, what, what's the point? Um, at, at, for every politician, at some point, uh, reaches a moment where they have to like put their chips on a direction, knowing that it's going to immediately honk off half the people. Barack yep. Obama knew that when he passed Obamacare. Um, can is Dwayne Johnson capable of something like that? I don't know. In this current iteration, I don't think he is, and I also think he, like he has too much going for him to want to. Um, take a risky move like politics, especially like people love it when celebrities get into politics. They they're glad when the celebrity is gone. Again, Trump, Schwarzenegger too. Schwarzenegger was someone who went into politics. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of yeah. a lot of excitement. But like, what did he do for California? Well, not much. He managed the state okay for like eight years, but I mean, he didn't really distinguish himself as governor. Um, and you know now he's like fear, you know as a Republican politician he's kind of fervently anti-Republican, but. <laughs> It's it's just I I think this this you know du- having Dwayne in politics I think it fits this fantasy of like this apolitical hero everyone knows will save us and they'll get in, and they'll lead us to, I don't know uh, the promised land or something I I just <laughs> I, it's, it seems more fantasy than based on anything actual reality I think since everybody loves Dwayne Johnson everyone thinks they'll love him as president I just that's not like history has shown that's just not the case <laughs> yeah steering America ever towards the idiocracy level where eventually it's just only wrestlers are, are the president right but yeah he's he's far more than a wrestler too though to be yeah. fair but and nothing against wrestlers by the way but I think as you described it's like he has this image and maybe that's what people are seeing rather than statesman right he would probably yeah. make a better or he'd make a really good ambassador yeah like you yep. could see him having a coffee with kim jong-un right who would probably love that oh so kim Jong-un, definitely yeah yeah right because he loves <laughs> movies so <laughs> kim, he's probably kim, seen them he's probably seen them all so that's kim what would really work watches more television than everyone in north korea combined mm-hmm <laughs> but in it, this is the thing in the in the post-trump era it shows that I'm saying post-Trump here, although he may be back. Um, mm-hmm. Anything's possible for America. Yeah. Because, I mean, break it down. What did Trump do, really? Yeah. And with all the with all the bluster of what's supposedly to come if he gets the gig again, it's probably going to be the same thing. But not a lot is going to get done. Yeah. 
in and from the White House. It will be all of the other players taking care of business yeah. for him. Yeah. So that you know that could be a scenario for uh, for the Rock. But I was also I was thinking of Zelensky mm, as well. I mean, sure. you know, talk about somebody unlikely who just a comedian, popular, same kind of thing, good public image, had a TV show that happened to be about becoming president, and supposedly I've ne- I'd never heard of this show, Adam Young Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd never heard of it. So, but supposedly this one scenario has him running for president in the year 2032. So maybe he just needs a little bit of more time in the trenches and uh and uh, then we'll see. The I rock. mean I mean maybe. I think Zelensky though is kind of like the the exception that proves the rule. Um hmm. but it's I mean it remains to be seen. I mean he he like if he were to just drop everything and run for president that would be one thing, but if he were to like actually put in the work and like you know, actually think about his politics and his policy and what he'd want to do as president, as opposed to just, you know, theoretically unite everybody. I think that that's a, a, a fantasy. But and, uh, John yeah. Cena for VP, right? Then the well, perfect. That's not, bad. that's not bad. That's not bad, actually. Um, we'll let we'll let the folks marinate on that. And uh, we're going to queue up our interview with Councillor Guller. You are listening to Open Sources Guelph. You're on CFRU 93.3. FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community. To stretch your days and bring you fun. Also, I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. So what can I say except you're welcome for the islands I pull from the sea. There's no need to pray, it's okay. You're welcome. Ha. I guess it's just my way of being me. Is there anything that he can't do? <laughs> that was Dwayne The Rock Johnson from the movie Moana with a song called You're Welcome. And it's not often that I even think about Disney or <laughs> anything really to do with that universe. Although I guess I had to get Disney Plus to watch certain things. Anyway. It's all about the rock, so song, dance, uh, break skulls, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ready-made uh, for higher office. Yeah, he's a, he's a triple threat. Um, yeah. Although that was a cartoon, so I'm not sure how much dancing he did. Anyway. <laughs> um, so there's going to be a lot of dancing at City Council over the next couple of weeks as they try to figure out how to balance everything they want to do, plus make it affordable, tougher than it sounds. And I think that's going to come through pretty loud and clear with this interview with uh, Councillor Guller, who's an interesting figure to talk to right now because he's the one who proposed this motion to have an additional council meeting about the budget to try and find places where there can be further savings uh not exactly clear what that would be and i think that's going to come through loud and clear in this interview so they're able to talk one-on-one with the counselor uh at this point where there's a lot of uncertainty was was interesting and um yeah it's i mean it's going to be a tough budget so um regardless of what you think about 10.3 um getting that lower is going to be tougher than appears and it might actually cost you and that's going to be sort of like the theme of of this interview with Councillor Goller is like how do you um how do you make those choices? Uh boy, what a downer way to start this interview. Anyway. <laughs> um 
let's hit play on our interview with Councillor Guller, Councillor Rodrigo Guller from Board 2 here in Guelph, and we'll start that right now. Okay, Rodrigo Guller, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here, Adam. Uh, first things first, um, I mean, what's, you know, you've probably been inundated with emails and phone calls and DMs and all that. So like, what's the, what's the consensus from like the feedback you're getting about the budget this year in terms of like the community point of view Um, is, is there a consensus or is, you know, everybody's concerns are kind of all over the place. Well, um, so I think there's, there's two main sides that, that I'm hearing from Um, one. uh, And we actually um, Carly and I put this in our last newsletter. So we are getting feedback. Um, from from many of our constituents that follow us on a regular basis, um, uh, and I'm hearing that they they have concerns that services are going to be cut, and mm. you know services that they need, and then they're they're telling us that that they they want this to be workable, but not to to reduce the services that they're receiving from the city. Uh, and then I am hearing from from the the public at large, the rights to all the councilor all the councilors and and mayor, um, and o- overwhelmingly, I hear concern about the increase, uh, not just the the ten point three four percent increase, but also the year over year increase and how mm-hmm. over the course of four year years it adds up to like a thirty five forty percent property tax increase. So that that is the concern that I'm hearing, uh, and then what I'm trying to hold in in my mind as I look at at the budget and and look at uh, what we are funding is how do we go about um, minimizing the impact to property tax owners and taxpayers here here in Guelph um, while still doing the city building that we need to do um, that you know we have approved in our in our master plans and in, in our strategic plans uh, in the direction that we want Guelph to grow. Um, and yeah, it's it's a struggle. I'm really struggling, and I'm not sure. Um, you know, when we come back to the new meeting that we have scheduled for November 22nd, when mm-hmm. staff is going to present options, um, I'm I'm really struggling to see. You know, how we're going to make it work um, because wealth. You know, whether we like it or not, it's still it's going to continue to grow. People are moving here from other parts of the province. Uh, it is a desirable community to live in. Um, and and we have to grow in such a way that it still feels like wealth. Uh, and I think mm. that's that's what I'm struggling with here. I mean, part of this, too, is, you know, the universal struggle. And I'm wondering, like, how aware people are that this isn't I mean, there, this is a Guelph problem in that we we have our individual concerns, but um, this is not a Guelph problem in that you know up the street in Waterloo region, like the region alone has an eight point, I think it's an eight point three percent increase on the books, and that's just for the region. That's not for Kitchener, Wilmot, Waterloo, Cambridge, and you know everyone else in part of Waterloo region. So they're at eight point three, two tiers. We're at ten point three, one tier. I mean. I, I just I, I I kind of wonder at, at what point maybe we look at this from a, a glass half full point of view. Hey, it could be worse. We're at ten point three, and it's just us. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely, and that is something that we always have to keep in mind when we compare Guelph with with Cambridge or um, you know municipalities in Peel that they have two levels of taxation. There's the region and the municipality. We just have one here in Guelph, but you know even even with that in mind, we still have to. To, to make sure that 
that we're making the best decision possible. And and I think that that does warrant us having a second look and see if any of the any of the items that we have in our in our budget are are not necessarily needed. Um, and and the challenge here is that staff have put everything they have put in the budget. You know, they they told us back in October 11th if they put everything that council had asked for and that we had identified in our strategic plan would be coming in over 20% year over year. Right. So they've already deferred 690 million of infrastructure upgrades um, and they have already reduced many of the requests. For example, council approved unanimously um, to support the one, three, one canopy tree planting strategy right. that will get us to 40% canopy coverage over the next 47 years. It was going to cost $3 million per year to plant trees. And council said, this it's one of the things that makes wealth unique. We want to make sure we have um, good a good amount of trees in the replacement. The budget includes um, you know, a, a fraction of that. We're looking at something like $300,000 next year for the entire parks and recreation master plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what staff can do with this is they can maintain the level of funding that we currently have for tree planting, but we're not at this point, we're no longer looking at increasing it, um, and you know we we have this in in every other master plan and and that we have approved. We staff has taken the um, you know the path of of reducing um, the implementation of those. You know, mm. same for active transportation, uh, new parks. Um, so at this point. The, st- the numbers that were presented to us are to maintain current service levels, but not really enhance anything. Um, right. So, so when we go back, and, and I take your point, you know, what are other municipalities in Ontario going to do? Is everyone going to stop building recreation facilities, stop building parks, uh, stop planting trees, uh, focus on providing fire, ambulance, police services, and repair roads? That 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 could be possible. But even the question of of road repair and infrastructure replacement. Um, we have major capital projects underway so we can meet our housing targets. You know, Guelph is to the point where unless we replace the pipes underground, we're not able to save or service the buildings that right. should be getting built. You know, um, so so it's one of these one of these challenges. If we were to significantly reduce our investment in our infrastructure, then Guelph would would stall and um, we would stop getting funding from the province. We would stop meeting <laughs> and housing would just keep on getting more expensive, which is another issue that we have to contend with. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't think the the government of Ontario is framed like any kind of formal punishment. Like you don't meet your housing targets. This is what we'll do. Like I'm like, there, we, we don't know what the consequences of not building 2000 units this year will be. No, no, but. But I, I do believe that they have made it clear that municipalities that are following through with the pledge are the ones that will get funding when it becomes available. Right. Okay. And, and yeah. And and you know, we, we we use that. Whenever funding comes available, we help we use it to to help advance this project or that project. Um so so it can be supported by the province and not just wealth residents. Right. Fair enough. Um is the timeline helping here because uh, the budget dropped on November third. Like everybody got it. Like you, you know, just because you're on council doesn't mean you 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 know went to a skiff or something and got to read the budget in advance. But no. you know, it's it's a tough budget. It's a complicated budget. Um, you know, you're trying to find savings. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody on council has an accounting background. I mean, the mayor 
used to be in insurance, but he wasn't a bean counter. But uh... <laughs> no, 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 not none of us um, are are as far as I'm aware. Uh, I, I cannot speak for the experiences of all my fellow counselors, but I believe that none of us were professionally in the in the finances um, in the financial sector. Nobody's so, a nobody's a no. CPA, but I mean, you have thirty days to pass something, and you know, would you be able to like get there, like? just from what you've been looking at, like if you had more time, like if this, if we started this in October, would we be breathing a bit easier? I think, I think it could, but at at the same time, we we really do rely on staff's professional expertise. And we have a lot of people in the city of wealth financial uh, finances department that provide us with good information and good reports that then we can make decisions on. So I don't think I necessarily need to understand how the dollars and cents of, of, uh, you know, putting out municipal debt work. I just need to understand from our treasurer, if we do this, what is the impact going to be to the city's ability to borrow more money later? Or what is mm-hmm. the impact going to be to the, to, to the taxpayer? So we do have the expertise. I think that the timeline is not, it's not ideal, uh, but with the new strong mayor powers, you know, this is effectively the mayor's um, budget. Uh, he gave the direction and he could have given direction for the budget to come in at an X percent, but you know, right. he wanted to to rely on and, and value the decisions that council had made. So he gave direction for staff to bring forward the best budget they could based on directions from all of council. Uh, so this is what we were presented with. And if council does absolutely nothing, say we fail to meet or we fail to come to any decisions um, on December 3rd, 30 days after um, the 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 budget was announced it's approved it is just automatically it becomes the new budget for for the next four years mm-hmm. um so so we are at that challenge what can we what can we change before the deadline uh, and if we do nothing uh then we are i think we're not doing our duty to Guelph residents to really take a close look and make sure that that everything that we are proving that we are you know uh, that we're using that we're spending people's uh, property taxes on that that we really want to spend it, that it really is a necessity for Guelph. Isn't that kind of anti-democratic? I mean, ultimately, like, because it's it's strong mayors and Mayor Guthrie has delegated that authority to the staff. But if it, it's December 3rd and the budget as it is automatically becomes the budget, that's a staff budget, not a council but approved budget. It, that is that is correct. It is it is well. It is the mayor's budget, and it is it's, it's the know, mayor's budget, right? But you know, yeah. Mayor it, Guthrie it is, isn't looking over the pink slips and the no, no, and no. It it does become, um, as you said, a a staff directed budget. But you know, we we have a job to do. All thirteen of us, the mayor and the twelve councilors, and I think if we just let it pass without even debating it, I mean, it could be that. At the end of the day, on the 22nd or on the 29th, when we have our, our meeting to to approve and make changes for the budget, mm-hmm. if it comes to that that we don't make any changes, um, it, it, it is because we believe that the budget that was presented by staff is the best budget possible. And I mm-hmm. uh, last week, I did hear from several of my colleagues when I proposed uh, looking for, a, for a, um, a percentage reduction. Uh, I, I I put a I put it forward. Can we reduce this by by two percent, just so that you know we can really make sure that anything that we don't need to spend, we're not spending. Um, it, I heard clearly from 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 a couple of my colleagues, Councillor Downer, um, Councillor Caron, that 
that they trusted staff and they believed that the budget as presented would be the best for Guelph as a city that continues to grow. So there, there are voices in, in, in council that, you know, everyone voted to, to take more time to look at this on the 22nd and to hear from staff. But I, I saw that there were a few members of council that were would be happy to to approve the budget as presented without any, any further uh, consideration. Having said that, though, if there is no, like, there's no more consideration that, you know, 10.3, that's the number. Are you prepared to vote for 10.3? Well, um, I, I think I'll, I'll have to come to, to, to the conversations and the options <laughs> presented by staff because if, you know, one of the big budget items is our, our police services. You know, mm. we, we, I, I, I have voted in favor of previous police budget increases back in 20, uh, I think it was 2019, 2020, they came with big increases of like $4 million. And previously, you know, it was, it was uh, this much, much lower increases year over year. And they said, we're severely understaffed and they were able to hire about, you know, 19 uh, officers. And it was a total of like 32 new, new people between 19 officers and then support staff. So over those couple of years, we have had a significant increase. Now, uh, Chief Kobe is coming back to tell us that Guelph police is still underfunded compared to other municipalities in Ontario. He wants to bring them up to par and, and they're asking for, you know, four and a half million dollars more or less year over year for the next four years. Mm. That is a significant increase. Uh, and, and one of the questions that I, I need to understand now is if we were to give them less money, um, you know, instead of four and a half million dollars year over year, what if we only funded police to an additional? And this is, of course, this is all on top of their base budget. So it's just, right. you know, a, an additional, say, three million dollars a year. What would that be in terms of impact for for our our, our officers, our, our our civilian staff, and most importantly for our community members? Uh, and and while I'm considering this, I'm also thinking. The downtown businesses need a lot of support, and they're right. asking for a police presence in the downtown to feel, to feel, to feel safer. Um, and and I hear from my constituents who really value being able to call a police and get a response right away. Um, so how do we how do we pass a budget that gives us the city that we want to live in? Um, and and yeah. So so to, to to any cuts, would I would I support a budget that came in at ten point three four? Possibly, depending on what it would cost to mm. to reduce that in terms of what services we would lose. I want to look at that the other way. Because I was looking at the list of delegates. We're recording this on Tuesday. The delegation night is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to air on Thursday, but so, so this is future future in the past. Um I was looking at the list of delegates and you have the Ontario Health Team. You have Sanguine Health Fan. You have 10C. Uh, my feeling is they're not going to come in to advocate for cuts. Uh, my feeling is they're probably going to be advocating for more. Um, I guess, you know, when does, you know, in terms of your considerations here, where, when do you draw the line? It's like you're already saying like 10.3. Maybe I can support it. Maybe I can't. But, you know, the, I know the Sanguine Health Fan is going to be looking for 90 grand to keep that service going another year. So yeah. it's, you know, the, the, you could be cutting in order to add. That's that's a possibility. Yeah, that, and that is something that, that I that I mentioned um, at the last meeting. I, I don't feel comfortable necessarily adding to, to this budget. But, but if we determine that 
that that this service is more important than this service, then maybe we can we can put some money that we would have spent, you know, doing this to do that. And I think that's the the lens that I'm taking to to look at this. And you know, I I the the presentations you know that they're that are coming forward. Um, I I don't know if everyone is going to be asking for more from the city. Looking at those names, I certainly I I know that some of them will be asking for the city to cut and to and to um, reduce the property tax increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a balance. I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, our job as counselors is to to make sure that the city grows in a way that is appropriate. And and we are in the midst of of a, a Canada wide. Um, you know, a, economic moment where all municipalities are looking mm-hmm. at significant increases. Um, so, so we have to take that into account. But, but I cannot discount that many families in in my ward and across Guelph do feel the impact of an extra forty bucks a month or an extra fifty bucks a month um, sure. that that would be uh, represented by by this uh, tax increase. Just to let you know, I'm pretty sure Pat Fong is coming in to advocate for the cut of the entire communications department. Uh, we we can we'll find out on Thursday whether I was right. Uh, but <laughs> it just in terms of this is a multi-year budget, and I think we we've kind of maybe intentionally or unintentionally got hung up on the, the the increase for this year. But as you said, this is you know a significant increase over four years. I guess that's helpful in sort of the planning, but I, I do get the sense that like we're focused on the 10.3 for right now. We're trying to get at least get through next year. And I don't know whether that's being, and maybe you can explain some of your thinking behind this. You know, I don't know if that's to like, like get us through, you know, to hopefully the province comes to its senses and it makes the city whole or comes up with that new deal that I keep hearing about, but this is a multi-year budget. But are we just in terms of like the immediate, are we, are we just kind of like focused on the immediate term just to sort of like get us over the hump right now? Is that a, a, a concern? Um, I think to an extent, to an extent it is sticker shock. Mm. Uh, and I think it, it would be different if, you know, la- last, last year to this year, that's a significant increase. If we had seen a budget that that was, you know, seven percent, eight percent, nine percent. I think it, we would be looking at it differently. But because we're front loading this with ten percent, nine percent, eight percent, which which works out to a fairly level um, increase across across those four years, um, uh, I think we do have a bit of, of sticker shock, and that's why we're reacting so much to the first number. But when I think of this, and when I look at the services, and when I speak to my constituents, I am talking about the bigger picture of the over four years. Um, you know, how do we feel about you know thirty-five to well, I think it was thirty-eight percent that it, that it would be an increase uh, over that time. Um, yeah, so so that is that is certainly something that I am keeping my mind on. But yeah, I, I am aware that on on the on the media, it's easier to just talk about one number and, and yeah. not confuse it. Yeah, I guess it does that speak to sort of maybe the limiting or the limitations, and I'm, I'm not faulting the system or or the wisdom of moving to multi-year budgeting but it it, it just seems like as as a, as a people as a group it's sort of difficult to, to focus on that that like four years of numbers when there's so much going on in the first year it is it is difficult but i think that ultimately the results of this process is that there's more stability so we mm. can do more city building um, and and our staff team can plan for things better down the road. You know, they, they 
they can initiate a project now and spread that project over the next couple of years, knowing that that funding is in place. Um, and I think it creates more more stability um, uh, as a more mature organization that is able to do more. Um, you know, I think looking at year to year worked well in the past when we mm. were a smaller municipality, but now that we have more capital expenses, you know, those $690 million in capital expenditures that were delayed, um, that is what we have to do. We have to look at it in the long term. And then mm-hmm. they're going to be put in because there were still directions of council and there's still things that we want to build. They're going to be put in into the the six year, seven year, eight year timeline. Um, so by having this this four year period, I do think it is beneficial for our community um, and for the municipality as an organization to be able to do things. But but it is more difficult to talk about. You're absolutely right. Uh, and it is more difficult to think about how things are going to be three years down the road when I'm struggling to understand how I'm going to make this work in three months. Right. Yeah, that's that was my thinking, too. Um, as we're kind of running out of time here, I mean, as we're sitting here recording about two weeks from D-Day, um, you know, what are the questions you need answered before, you know, you go into that that meeting on the 29th? You know, what's what's like? I, like whether it's on the budget board or talking to your constituents or, you know, the town hall that you've got coming up. I mean, just, you know, you're, you're, what are you thinking about? What are your questions? I'm thinking about impact to, to our residents. And what mm-hmm. is the impact if we reduce this budget line or that budget line? I had a meeting with uh, Gene Matthews from Parks uh, on, on yesterday on Monday to understand, you know, we had approved $3 million for tree planting. Now we're funding it to, you know, less less than a hundred thousand dollars what does that mean are we actually losing ground and i was assured that the amount of funding that was provided for the parks and recreation master plan would help us inch forward to be able to increase our tree canopy at at a glacial pace but at least we're not losing ground and that is something that then then i can hold and it's that level of you know what level of funding is needed so that we don't actually step backwards from where we were and then we're reducing our levels of service and reducing um, the municipal services that people rely on so i want to make sure that we at least maintain what we have now and that we increase where we can um and 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 this is where where the delegations are going to be particularly challenging and Mm. um yeah and, and something that that is that is difficult is all the provincial downloading to municipalities you know right. how do we deal with mental health issues homelessness in our city uh, poverty addictions when the bulk of those should be taken care of by the province but you know they're not necessarily doing enough to address those issues so we have to pay for more policing and we have to pay for the the growth of the hospital so that it increases capacity to to address these issues um uh, and it's 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 quite quite frustrating, <laughs> Adam, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we'll get that sense. Um, but I guess we'll just leave it there. Uh, we'll leave it at frustrating. Uh, still two weeks left to go to figure it all out. But uh, Councillor Galler, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, best of luck figuring it all out. Thank you. Happy to be here, Adam. See you later. All right. So once again, that was Councillor Galler. The budget decision meeting is. Wednesday, November 29th. Uh, I'll be there. Um, so that's why we're going to plan a special episode for that week uh, mm. with, with two interviews back to back. Because it'd be tough going to spend all day 
watching people fight about budget stuff and then come home and record an open sources, but 25, seven. That's our, yeah. Yeah. That's our problem. Well, um, Politico's on the case. Yeah. Sometimes it's 26 or 27, seven, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it uh you can listen to it again by downloading it every monday from our website at opensourcesguelph.com or from the guelph politicast channel on podbean you can also get it from your favorite podcast app like apple google TuneIn, and spotify you can also stay connected to us on social media we're on facebook at open sources newswire and we're on twitter at os underscore guelph I'll be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for the movie review show that I co-host called End Credits. I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter X, and Blue Sky. And if you're joining us at a regular time on a Thursday at 5, please stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. Uh, yes, indeed. And that's one of the make, one of the many great programs that you'll hear on this channel, CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for this specific show right here and now, we'll be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources, and we will see you then.